Hey guys, this is Harold. Last week I was preaching and teaching out of the book of Jonah as we've been covering in our series the Old Testament, but more specifically the prophets in the prophetic books. Now I don't have the opportunity to preach again, so what I want to do is just record a short podcast, a podcast exclusive to conclude this story of Jonah, to conclude where we were last week. So if you got the opportunity to listen last week, I kind of led you through who Jonah was and the story of Jonah. And if you were with us, we basically read and told the story of Jonah chapters 1 through 3. Now there's four chapters in the book of Jonah. So if you want, you have your Bible with you, I would love for you to flip back into Jonah. Again, if you're used to the New Testament, just start at Matthew and flip back a few books and you'll get to the book of Jonah. But open your Bible and open it to chapter 4, because we are going to kind of recover a little bit of chapter 3 and then talk about chapter 4 today. So open up your Bibles, if you will. So Jonah, after all of his journey, his fleeing, he's running from God, and maybe, just maybe, he's not a great prophet for God. We finally see him in chapter 3, go to Nineveh and do as God commands. And what happens is he goes in and he speaks five words and the entire city repents and turns to God, starting from the king to the layman to even the animals are changing their ways because they're scared, they're fearful of the Lord because they don't want to be destroyed. So they turn back to God and do everything they can covering themselves in sackcloth and ashes and repenting. And when the Lord God, this is verse 10 of chapter 3, and when Lord God saw what they had done and how they turned away from their evil ways, God relented them of disaster, and he said, and he did not do what he said he would do to them. So God forgave them, and he no longer wanted to destroy them. But last week we talked about this little bit when it comes to Jonah. The reason I say Jonah was maybe a good prophet, maybe he wasn't, was because we see Jonah get completely upset when God forgives the city and the people of Nineveh. So this brought me to the question. It made me think, maybe we have Ninevehs. Maybe there's people in our lives who are so upsetting to us that we don't like that we do not want to tell them about the salvation that God gives. I gave you some examples last week. Maybe there's people you have bias towards, because I know I do, that you don't like, so much so that you'd rather not tell them the good news. Some of the examples I gave you last week are maybe there's those people that are too something. Maybe they're too loud, too quiet, too angry, too black, too white, too gay, too straight. Whatever it may be for you, who's the person that you don't like? Who's the person that you hold bias toward? Why does it matter if you hold bias towards someone? Well, last week, I hope you heard this because it was very important. Last week, I shared to you that just like God commanded Jonah to be a prophet to the people, he tells us to be a prophet to the people. 
If you're a Christian, you've devoted your entire life to God. You've probably been baptized, and when you went into that water, you died to your old life, and you came up a new person. Not only just a new person for yourself, but a new person for God. You came up out of the grave of baptism as a prophet for God. So you do have bias. You do have someone you don't like. You have a Nineveh. And you are now a prophet of God. So you need to go and disciple and declare God's forgiveness even to your Nineveh. I hope you were convicted somewhat last week as I concluded with the question, Who is your Nineveh? And how are you going to tell them about the glorious God who saves? I hope you were convicted. I hope you thought about that. And I hope you keep thinking about it because I know for myself, it doesn't end with just one week, one thought. It's a daily, daily transformation I have to try and make. It's so hard. It's so hard, but I know that I've been called by God to tell every person about Jesus Christ. But let's, let's look at the conclusion of Jonah's story. And let's read chapter 4. I'm going to read all of it. It's 11 verses, and I hope you read along with me. So Jonah chapter 4. Let's continue and conclude Jonah's story. Chapter 4, 1. But it displeased Jonah exceedingly, and he was angry. And he prayed to the Lord and said, O Lord, is this not what I said when I was in my own country? This is why I fled to Tarshish. For I knew that you are a gracious God and merciful, and you're slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and you relent from disaster. Therefore now, O God, please take my life from me, for it's better for me to die than to live. And the Lord said, Does it really do you well to be angry? So we covered the last four or the first four verses of Jonah 4 last week. And Jonah's angry, but God says, does it really do you any good to be angry? That can apply to us too. When we see God save people and bring people to Christ that we just don't like, that we are uncomfortable with. And guys, really, there is people we are uncomfortable with. They don't fit our brand of Christianity. But God says, really? He says it to Jonah. He says it to us. Really? Is it really worth you being angry over the people that I'm going to save? No, it's not. It's not Jonah. It's not Harold. It's not you listening. It's not worth being angry. God is going to save. God is going to bring people to him, even people you don't like. But it's hard. I think it's hard for us to learn that lesson and to really live in a way that we can accept those people. And it was hard for Jonah. And that's what the conclusion of our story really brings out. So Jonah chapter 4 verse 5, I'm going to keep reading. So Jonah went out of the city and he sat east of the city and made a booth for himself there. He sat at it under the sh in the shade till he could see what would become of the city. Now the Lord God appointed a plant, and he made it grow over Jonah, 
that it might shade over his head and save him from discomfort. So Jonah was exceedingly glad because of this here plant. But when dawn came up on the next day, God made a worm that attacked the plant. So it withered, and when the sun rose, God appointed a scorching wind and a sun that would beat down on the head of Jonah so that he would be faint. And again he asked that he might die, and he said, It's better for me to die than to live. But God said to Jonah, Does it do you well to be angry for this plant? And Jonah said, Yes, I do well to be angry, angry enough to even die. And the Lord said, You pity the plant for which you did not labor, nor did you make it grow, which came in the night and perished in the night. But yet I should not pity Nineveh, the great city, where there are more than 120,000 people who do not know their right hand from their left hand and many cattle. That's how the book of Jonah ends. We don't see Jonah's response. We don't see what God does with Jonah ever in the future. We don't know if he lives, he dies, if he turns into a better prophet, or maybe no longer a prophet at all. So in chapter 4, we see the rest of the story. And where we left off last week was Jonah was ticked off. He was mad because God would save people he didn't like. And I think many of us can be mad at that too. But did you hear what God did to help Noah understand? I mean, excuse me, help Jonah understand. God made a plant grow in the nighttime, and he gave it to Jonah for shade. And Jonah was so appreciative. But God was making this plant to teach Jonah a lesson. So he let him have it for one day, but in the nighttime, Jonah sent a worm, or God sent to Jonah a worm that would eat the plant and it would die away the next day when it was super hot and sunny. And Jonah was so mad that God would let a plant die. <laughs> and then God said, Oh, you're angry that a plant might die, but you weren't angry that over a hundred thousand people were gonna die? Jonah says, I'm so angry that I would rather die. Typical Jonah, I would rather just die. But then God ends the story and he says, it is just for me to pity Nineveh, even more so than your stupid little plant, Jonah. That's the Herald version. But think about it. We do the same thing. We need the same point made to us that God had to make to Jonah. Each and every person is created by God in His image. Each and every person is loved by God and they are worth so much more than anything in our lives. Anything in our lives. If you want to flip your Bible over, I'm going to reference Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews 10, and Hebrews is written by Paul, so what we have is Paul writing to the Hebrew church who were used to the old law of the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, and now he's showing them 
the new law and how it is so much better to be living in Christ than to be under the restrictions of the old law. I'm going to start in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 8. I'll read this and we'll talk about it a little bit. Paul writes, When he said above, You have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. Those were offered according to the law. But then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He who does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that, we have all been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. So we were looking at the story of Jonah, which lived in the Old Covenant. But now when we bring it to us today, does it still apply? Does it still matter that we should bring the message of Christ to those that are our Nineveh, to those that we hate? Well, Paul is speaking to that here. He says, God didn't even take pleasure in the old sacrifices that you made. They were fitting for the law. But Jesus Christ came to establish the second, to get rid of the first law, and now to establish the second law. And then what's he say happens with that? Verse 10 of chapter 10 of Hebrews. He says, that all will be sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ once and for all. There's an important little word that is given here in Hebrews 10.10. It's that all, meaning all people, all creation, all humans, that all have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Christ once and for all. You look at the Greek, you look at any any definition of that word all, it does mean all. It means every single human being, every single person. So that means you're Nineveh. That means that yes, your Nineveh is greater than anything else that you can create or God can create. Human beings, each and every one of them, each and every human, is worth you telling the message of Jesus Christ to. This will be hard. This is incredibly hard. There are some humans out there that for you, and definitely for me, would be really, really hard to tell about Jesus Christ. Because my human side does not want the rapist, the murderer, about Jesus Christ but that's wrong that's wrong so the call for this week is basically the same as last week but maybe even more so I want you to recognize that there is no one who is unworthy salvation through Christ Jesus. So if you're avoiding telling someone because they're just too bad, and I get it, murderers and rapists are really bad. But God says, no, no, all have sinned, all have fallen short. 
but I have come to offer salvation for all. So this week, and for the rest of the weeks, you can remember it. Go out, find Nineveh. You might not even know the Ninevehs that you are fighting against. But go out, find the Nineveh, and tell them about Christ Jesus. Because sometimes the people we think aren't worth it are the ones that are ready to accept Jesus Christ into their life to repent, to be baptized, and to take him on and live as disciples forever. So go. Go out and tell the world. Go make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything God has commanded us. Thank you guys. Have a great week.